this is now the third week of Advent, which is all about joy. So we've talked about hope and love, and today we're going to be talking about joy. And what I specifically want to talk about when it comes to joy today is where we find joy in our life. Because it's easy with everything that goes on in our world to get frustrated or worried about what's going on. And if we're not careful, it's really easy to find joy slipping away from our life, where we're just kind of going through the motions and day after day. And, and we can end up into a place where we're asking ourselves, where is the joy? What, what am I looking forward to? Where's the enjoyment of my life? What am I doing with my life? And to be in that place where all that joy seems to have slipped away. So I want to look at scripture today and, and find in scripture the answers of where we go to find joy uh, in our life and in our heart. And so I looked up some uh, passages about joy in the Bible and after all of my thorough research and studying the scriptures, I have determined that joy is found in the number 15. And I've discovered this because all three of the main passages that I want to use to talk about joy all just so happen to be the 15th chapter of the book. So we're going to look at John 15, Luke chapter 15, and Romans chapter 15. So let's start with the first one I came across, which is in John chapter 15, and I came across verse 11, which really answered the question directly of where we find joy, because John 15, 11, Jesus talking, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's the answer right there. But of course, that's not the full answer, right? The, then we have the question, well, well, what did Jesus just talk about? So let's get a little more context here and begin at verse 9 and, and see what it is that Jesus was talking about that would bring us joy. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus is telling us in this passage that joy will come into our life when we remain in the Father's love. And that as we walk in the love of God in our life, that as we do that, God fills us with joy. Which is so fitting then that joy comes after love in the Advent uh, Sundays because we just talked about love and how important it is to have love for one another in our life. And this is then really encouraging to see that when we practice those principles that joy then comes into our life. So one of the places that we find joy is through love. That just as God loved us and we've received that love, as we show that love to other people, our life will automatically be filled with joy as we walk in love. And it's really easy to understand how that uh, progression works when you look at the opposite of those two things. So last week we talked about how the opposite of 
loving is being hateful. And so joy then, the opposite of joy, would well probably be sadness. So if you take that joy comes through love, well, let's look at the connection then between hatred and sadness. Now, I don't know about you, but if I have a heated argument with someone where we've got two opposing viewpoints and we start cutting into each other and maybe we become angry at each other and and really start to say things that we shouldn't say. And instead of just talking about the topic, now we're starting to make digs at each other. Never a good place to be in when an argument reaches that level where you are trying to cut the other person down. But it's very angry. It's very hateful. Now, I don't know about you, but I never come out of an argument like that happy as a clam and just so energized and joyful and and ready to go do something just so much fun. I don't know about you, but that is not the case with me. If I get into an argument, I'm not going to feel happy and joyful on the other side of that. I'm going to feel upset. I feel frustrated. I may even feel hurt by some of the things that they said about me and regret over the things that I said to them. Arguments don't make me joyful. In fact, they have quite the opposite result. So if I want to feel joyful, it really does only make sense that I would treat people in a loving way. And that as I am showing love to someone, and oftentimes that leads to them showing love in return, because it's easier to love someone uh, who loves you back. That's why it's so challenging to love people who don't love you back, and that's why Jesus instructs us to do so, because he's calling us to that uh, greater standard in our life. But if we are loving to other people, and they're being loving back, we are definitely going to find ourselves and our lives filled with more joy. Because then, instead of cutting into each other, we are now encouraging and supporting one another. And we'll get to that a little bit uh, more as we go on. But it's easy for that kind of scenario where you're having this argument that it leaves you in this place of a sustained anger. Because usually when a conflict gets to that point, there's no resolution that happens at the end of it. It usually leaves with somebody storming out of the room. And what happens then is that the anger that you had towards that person lingers with you. And so the whole rest of the day, you're thinking about what they said and what you could have said and how did it all get out of control and why did that have to happen and and all of that. And what that can leave you with is feelings of bitterness towards other people. And that's where it gets really dangerous in in our life and in our heart is when we have that sustained hatred of someone that is often referred to as bitterness where we are bitter towards someone, we are angry at them just because they are them or something they've done in the past. And remember, if if joy comes through love, if our heart is filled with that bitterness, that resentment, that anger, that disdain, 
what's going to happen is that is then going to suck away all the joy from our life. And we will then find a place where we find our life without joy and wonder, why is, why is it like this? What have I done to deserve this? The answer is that you've harbored bitterness towards someone else. And that bitterness has prevented you from living a life of love towards everyone. And again, we were talking about that last week, that that is what God's call for us is, is to have a love, desire uh, the greatest good for all people. And when you've walked away from that, you've walked away from that love, then that joy disappears. And God calls us then back into that love, not just so that we're you know lined up with the heart of God, but also that so we can receive that benefit of joy being, or our life being filled with joy and that joy being made complete. But we have to be willing to let go of bitterness towards others, to even get to a place where we can begin to receive the joy that God has for us. So that's John 15. Now let's go over to Luke 15. So whereas John 15 talks about receiving joy in our life, uh, Luke 15 answers the question, well, what makes God joyful? Because that's something that should make us joyful as well, right? If we have a heart after God's own heart, kind of like David did, David was a man after God's own heart, and we desire to be Christians, which means Christ-like, like Christ, like God, if there's something that makes God joyful, then it makes sense that that should make us joyful as well. So let's look at what makes God joyful. And this is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so this parable Jesus uses to show us how heaven rejoices when a sinner repents of their sin. And that includes God as well. That God rejoices over repentance. And so this now shows us another area where we can find joy is through repentance. When someone is unrepentant of something that they've done wrong, it hurts not only them, but everyone around them. And when that person is finally able to admit that they've done something wrong and ask for forgiveness, the joy that fills the life of everyone who is able to see that person come out of that place of darkness and into a place of restoration, that kind of joy is like no other joy in this world. It's, it's a special kind of joy that reflects the joy that God experiences 
in that moment as well. And not only is that moment of repentance uh, filling everyone there with joy, it, it, it also brings joy into the life of that person who has repented from the sin, from the repentee, if you will. It brings joy into their life as well. And when Jesus is giving this parable, he's not just talking about people who have never given their life to God. In fact, if you look at this parable, it talks about that this sheep that went astray was already one of the 100 sheep that belonged to the shepherd, and then it got lost. So he's not talking about someone who has never known God, he's never repented from their sin. Rather, this sheep is an illustration of a righteous person who has sinned, someone that has become lost. And someone who is lost, usually they don't start lost, right? There's a phrase, not all who wanders is lost, and that's Tolkien, but uh, not all who are lost begin that way. In fact, very few people who are lost begin that way. Because you are lost when you are no longer able to find your way back to where you belong. And so this parable of the lost sheep is about a sheep that was there with the shepherd and has since gone astray. And the shepherd then leaves the 99 that are still there to go in search of that one who has wandered off. And we as believers need to remember that we never reach a point of righteousness or perfection in our life where we are no longer sinful people who need to repent of the wrong that we do. But if we become unrepentant or convince ourselves that there's no need to repent, or that other people's sins are far greater than any slight mistakes that we make, our hearts will quickly become hardened. We won't, we won't leave any room for repentance, and that will also take away the joy in our life. But when we're willing to swallow our pride and humble ourselves and admit that we've done something wrong and that we don't want to continue in that sin anymore, it brings restoration and restores our joy. When I was uh, just a kid, my brother had a Game Boy Color, and that was the coolest thing in the world to me. <laughs> And sometimes I would let I would I would get him to let me play it. And sometimes he wouldn't let me play his Game Boy. And if he was going to play it, then I was usually understanding of that, right? It, it was his Game Boy. He would he wanted to play it. Uh, it was his. It belonged to him. So if I if he wanted to play it, it made sense that he wouldn't let me play it. But what I wouldn't understand is when he wasn't playing it. He wasn't planning to play it, and then if I asked to play it, he would say no. And I hate to admit it, but that got under my skin. And one day, I hid that Game Boy away so that I could play it when I wanted to. And I thought that that was a brilliant idea. And I didn't plan on keeping it hidden away forever. I just wanted to, you know, hold on to it for a week or so, just so I could play it when I wanted to, to kind of get back at him for not letting me play it, even when he wasn't going to. 
And I thought, what a great idea. This will be so much fun. It'll be so enjoyable. And I quickly found out that that was not the case. Because every time I would play that Game Boy, I was always worried about getting caught. And so it didn't take very long before I put that Game Boy back and admitted that I had taken it and hidden it away. And although I was, of course, punished for doing so, the next time I got to play that Game Boy, which was much, much later, it was so much more enjoyable to play it then than it was when I was trying to play it in secret. Because the worry wasn't there anymore. The secret wasn't there anymore. And rather than worrying about getting caught the whole time I was playing it, I'd come to a place of repentance and restoration, and I could fully enjoy the experience again. And I know that's kind of a, a silly illustration, but I think it still proves my point. That when, when we have these secrets or we have sin in our life, and we don't deal with it, it, it really takes the joy out of anything else we do in our life. And so we have to be so careful that we never get to that place, that we always have a repentant heart, willing to ask forgiveness, willing to admit when we've made a mistake, and turn from it and ask for forgiveness so we can be restored, so that that joy can be restored to our life. And I really do think that the one thing that will get in the way of our repentance the most is pride. Thinking that we don't have to repent. That maybe it wasn't so bad as somebody else's sin or, or anything like that. It's so easy to let pride get in the way of that. But we should never let that pride steal away our joy. And so if we find our life uh, lacking joy. Not only can we try to find it through love, but we can also look for it through repentance as well. So that's John 15 and Luke 15. Now let's go to our last uh, chapter 15 for joy, which is Romans chapter 15. And in here we get a, a really great example of of where the Apostle Paul's joy often came from. So Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 30, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy, by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. So in here we see Paul's longing to rejoin the believers with joy, and that the way he will do so is by having them pray for him, to be successful in the task that he is setting out to do. 
and that task that he is setting out to do is to bring a contribution to the believers in Jerusalem. And if all of this takes place, Paul will be able to come to them with joy. So here we see Paul's joy coming from both receiving and giving support from believers. Receiving support from believers and bringing support to other believers. And this is the last place that I want to talk about of where we can find joy in our life. Joy is often found through support. Through receiving support from other people, people who care about us and want to encourage us, want us to have the best life that God has for us, to see us reach our full potential, and to be willing to help us along in that path. And that we can then take the support that we've received and be able to support other people as well. Especially other believers asking, what can I do to help you in the ministry that God has called you to do? And where God is leading you, how can I help you with that? And through this wonderful uh, body of believers, right? The, The church is often described as a body with all these different parts working together. When we operate in that way through supporting one another, our joy will be increased just as Paul's joy was. That kind of community and, and, and fellowship with one, with one another brings us great joy that can't really be found anywhere else. You know, Christmas is just around the corner, and one of the biggest staples about Christmas is the giving and receiving of Christmas presents. And although it is definitely very much true that it's way better to give a gift than receive a gift, like like the feelings that come from giving someone a gift, far better than receiving a gift. Although that's true, it's also really nice to receive gifts at times. And to... Have people say, you know, I I care about you, I love you, I, I want to give you something as a reflection of that. That's a wonderful thing too. And that's kind of what we do at Christmas time is we have this time of giving gifts and receiving gifts and and that fellowship and that supporting of one another. That's the joy of Christmas, man. <laughs> and it's not something that should only exist at Christmas time. It should be something that should be a constant in the church. Something that can be found any day of the year among believers who all have received the love of Christ and want to love each other in that same love and do so in in very practical ways of, of supporting the work that each other is doing. That was what brought Paul joy, is that support. Receiving that support and bringing support to others. And this is why we can never really find a complete joy in isolation. Now, I'm a very introverted person, and so I really 
need my uh, my solo time, my just me, nobody else, time by myself. I really need that. And on a regular basis. But there's a certain joy that I receive by being around close friends and family that I could never receive on my own. And people that think that they can disconnect from the church altogether, disconnect from other believers, and and still follow in the will of God, well, first you have to ignore a few parts of Scripture to think that that's the case, because Scripture is very clear that you should not forsake fellowship and gathering together, at least in some way or form. Um, but more than that, if you isolate yourself from others, especially from other believers, you will be robbing yourself of the joy that God wants to bring you through others. And not just through others pouring into you, but as you pour into other people as well, that that will bring joy too. And you know, all of these different things, all these different places where we find joy, finding it through love and repentance and, and supporting one another. It, it goes so well with the Christmas message. Where God, through the birth of Jesus, brings us joy as an act of love that supports us through a path of repentance. Because it's through Jesus' birth and death and resurrection, which all took place because God so loved the world, God loved us enough to give us his Son, that through all of that, we can have this process of repentance and receiving forgiveness of sins from that repentance. And then that God also supports us through his spirit along that path. That's what Christmas is all about. The birth of Jesus. This act of love that supports us through a path of repentance. And that gospel good news message that brings us a joy far greater than we could find anywhere else in this world. And as we think about that kind of joy that we receive from the Lord, let's still remember the words in, in Nehemiah where it talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you feel weak and tired, worn out, burnt out, frustrated, angry, sad, worried, heartbroken, running on fumes. God wants to strengthen you, support you, carry you through whatever you are going through, and strengthen us through the joy that he longs to give us. The joy that becomes our strength, that gets us through the tough times. 
And in order to receive that joy that he longs to give us, he calls us to go through these places of, of love and repentance and supporting one another. And as we do that, the joy of the Lord will fill our hearts and our life, and it will give us the strength that we need to go and do whatever he calls us to do. So let's watch out for these signs of, of bitterness and pride and isolation that will steal our joy away from us. And to stand against those things so that we can continue to receive the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. And what a wonderful message that is. So, until next time, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can contact me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.